Hey guys, Noah here with the You Could Drop It podcast. On this episode, Alana speaks to a congregation at a local synagogue. She discusses nutrition science, different foods, and answers great questions, including snacks for children and for weight loss. If you like this podcast, please give us a like and share it with your friends. Hope you enjoy. We're all, what you could be in pajamas, it could be messy behind you, you could have screaming kids. Um, it's all good. We're family, right? We're at Kahila. So um, I'll start on the whole topic, which is like five steps toward better health and energy. I try to keep it to five um, and, you know, cram in what's there. I think, you know, the, the whole headline of quarantine waking got you down you're totally not alone. And I'm sure there are plenty of people on here who, you know, maintained their way through quarantine or did what they could, but not an easy year. So we have to start by being forgiving. If you're on here because you've gained weight in quarantine, it's all good. A little bit of background about me in case you don't know, because it's not, you know, my story isn't necessarily here. There wasn't like a, a high intro. So I'll give a little bit of background. I was morbidly obese as a kid. My uh, parents got divorced when I was really young. There was a lot of instability in the home. I grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I went to Lincoln Square Synagogue, Manhattan Day School, if that means anything to you. And um, I used to walk from 71st Street to 75th Street by myself uh, as a little girl going to school, not like in L.A. where, you know, all, like there's two parents dropping off the kids and, and smiling the whole way through. We were much more like on our own. I would get my allowance money, go to the deli on the corner on 72nd Street, buy myself a Snickers ice cream bar and call it breakfast. Um, and it was kind of reckless eating. Definitely a volume eater. I would eat like the whole dinner's worth of ordered takeout Chinese food. And then my family would be like, where's the food? I'm like, oh, that was for everyone. And I kept gaining weight, more and more weight every single year. I was by far the biggest kid in my class. I was known for being overweight. You know, everyone and their mothers and their bubbies thought that they should comment on my weight. And it just was like this huge struggle in my life. It was around when I was like 13, 14 years old that I realized I needed to change my mindset and just be done. I had been sent to weight loss camp in the summers to lose weight, and then I would just gain it all back and more. And I was like just so sick and tired of the repetitive, vicious cycle of my weight being the struggle and what I was so known for. Because uh, I felt like I had a different me that wasn't being uh, properly displayed. And... Uh, Oh, do we have a shared screen? It looks like something like something like that is going on. Um, but I hope you guys are staying focused. And uh, so that's it. And um, I changed my mindset. I looked down at my body and I was like, who am I fighting here? My parents are uh, aggravated. My teachers are even making comments. But really, it's me who needs to take hold of this. No one's going to do it for me. I had to stop being irritated at people's judgments and, and more just like inspired by you know what, I don't want to do this either. I had to take my own internship, my own ownership of it. So I was like, you know what, there are some things that have been working in weight loss camp in the summers that I totally let go of during the school year. What are some things that I can start implementing? Uh, and so those are the, some of the things I can do with you today. I mean, one thing is at weight loss camp, uh, we used to get this like 
pre-portioned meals, and we would have to exercise for like 10 hours a day. Clearly, that was not sustainable. Um, you know, in camp, you got this one tiny sliver of pizza and salad. When you're at home and you have a whole pie sitting in front of you and you're like just bored around the kitchen, you don't have anyone telling you there's only one, right? So I have, and I had no portion control. But one thing I remembered is that they always allowed you to go up for seconds of salad. So when it came to veggies, that was the one thing they would let you go up for seconds for. And some of my friends at camp were fine with their portioned meal, but I always took advantage of the seconds and the thirds and the fourths. And I realized I still lost plenty of weight. So why don't I just go for like unlimited vegetables? And that was one of the things that got me from gaining so much weight every school year to at least maintaining my weight every school year was just going from my late night popcorn in front of the TV, the late night buttered popcorn while watching television to I would get those like bird's eye frozen boxes of uh, broccoli florets or the bodeg frozen broccoli florets. I would put them in the microwave with like, I can't believe it's not butter spray, which most people think is totally disgusting right now, including myself, um, and a sprinkle of salt to meet that mindlessly in front of the television instead. And just tried to like really go all in on, on more volume, stop fighting volume. Like everyone would tell me, you know, just eat the protein the size of your palm of your hands and all these things. But I like to eat a lot of food. To this day, I eat a lot, a lot of food. So I had to stop fighting it and more dig into it, but just make sure it was veggies most, um, as you'll hear me say. And that doesn't mean it needs to be steamed boiled broccoli. That means it could be sauteed spinach, that means it could be cabbage steaks. I was just going through the Base Yaakov cookbook. I absolutely love that cookbook. Um, if anyone has it, they uh, there's a great recipe for like a pastrami roll-up uh, over green bean bundles. It's a great recipe for maple Dijon cabbage rounds. Um, there's another in the Silver Platter kosher cookbook, also really great um, Dijon cabbage steaks. I was super inspired by that. So with my To Be Mindset weight loss program, I came out with cabbage steak uh, recipe two with Thousand Island dressing. Cabbage is amazing. It's hearty. It's delicious. It's pretty on a table and it really fills you up and you can lose a lot of weight doing it. So the first step, um, I'll always, you'll always hear me say veggies, veggies most, make your veggies your first bite, um, which is kind of difficult at a Shabbos meal, but we can get to that. But Definitely, it's Wednesday night, thinking about your Shabbos menu. We really, we like immediately go to, I got to make challah, I got to make potato kugel, I got to make matzo ball soup and gefilte fish and brisket and um, I kechel and I want to make this babka and I want to make that tort and like just change the focus altogether. Those things are always going to get done. They're always on your shopping list and you probably don't even need as many of those things as you're, as you're enlisting really bring out the vegetables. Right now you might have like the sad salad that's always on the table or you have a salad that's like bombarded with like so much quinoa and candied walnuts and all these things that you think everyone needs. And maybe it just has to be more veggie focused. Um, so like, you know, there's so many delicious salads out there. Salad dressings are fine. So don't demonize them. There are, I have to say, some of these kosher cookbooks and recipes, we go crazy on the sugar um, and the salt and the oil. So my best recommendation when following a recipe, what I always do is I always at the start have the oil, the salt and the sugar, which could be maple syrup or agave, it's all sugar. So like that sweet sugar component, it's a very Ashkenaz Jewish trait. We make everything sweet. I like, <laughs> I do it too, um, but just try to start half 
in all of it, and then you add more as needed. Another thing I like to do is replace some of the sugar in recipes with a little stevia or half and half, um, just because it's an all natural, non-addictive uh, sweetener that does have less calories and doesn't spike blood sugar and insulin the same way. Monk fruit is also a nice option. So um, I guess that would be my first step. Uh, yeah, and I normally, when I do an organizational talk like this one, I normally don't focus on weight loss, but uh, because that was, first of all, that's my specialty. So like everything I say will inherently have weight loss embedded in it. But um, because that's really like the topic of our flyer, uh, I will say the scale has also been my big friend. I don't recommend using the scale without necessarily using the other aspects of my, my weight loss program, which you can read about in my book and so forth. But not being devils, you know, our enemies with the scale can really help. And in my personal story, I would always go on the scale throughout camp and then I would avoid the scale for 10 months in the school year, only to be surprised by how much I was able to gain 10 months later. I'm sure a lot of you hate the scale. Most people hate the scale when they're gaining weight, but really love the scale when they're losing weight. And the bottom line is if you just go on it like two to three times a week, always, whether it's post Shabbos or not, you start to have like a more normalized relationship with it where it's not impacting your emotions the same way. You know it goes up, you know it goes down, you know it fluctuates from salt, from late night eating, from so forth, but it's, it is a somewhat check-in and studies have proven that those who go on the scale more frequently do have a better job losing and maintaining their weight. And I have like research in the Journal of Obesity on it and so forth. So. One thing I would probably do if you're on this call because you're like fed up with weight gain is don't don't hate the scale. It's an objective tool. It's there telling you that things can probably get shifted around when no one else will. Um, and try to find a way to look at it a little bit more objectively in that way. When you do that first step, which is bring the focus more on vegetables, while using the scale, you actually realize you can still eat and eat a lot and that scale will actually still go down. And that's a really positive benefit of using the scale versus, you know, people who like avoid it and feel like they're eating healthy, but the scale is going up and everything you go on it like once every two months, you just feel like all your efforts go nowhere. But when you go on it more frequently, you see, okay, over Shabbos, I might've gained two pounds, but you know what, by Friday morning, I actually lost two pounds. So then you know that you need to focus on Shabbos. Um, and what's going on on Shabbos, that's so different Monday to Friday. And then eventually you do a, a lot like most of my clients do, and you actually discover you can have a weight loss Shabbos. And uh, I could talk more about what that looks like because it's possible. I know you're like, it's impossible. What is she talking about? Lose weight on Shabbos, that's crazy. That could be step three. Step three is really change your mindset for what Shabbos and Yom Tov needs to be for you and your health. If you look at Shabbos as this opportunity to gorge and eat whatever you want, it's gonna be very, very, very difficult for you um, and your family's overall health. It comes every week. It comes Friday night and Saturday and Saturday afternoon every week. So, you know, Goyim or whoever who say, okay, it's Christmas, it's Thanksgiving, it's whatever, it's one thing. The fact that we do Christmas and Thanksgiving every Shabbos is really tough. Um, and if you just say you can eat whatever you want in that time, it, rather than, you know, let's say the average American gaining five to six pounds a year or whatever it is, if a, 
Orthodox Jew has that mentality, it'd be really easy to gain 15 to 20 pounds a year uh, at the very least. And that doesn't include like the Rosh Hashanah and the Sukkot and all these things coming up. So I think step three really has to be change your mindset over Shabbos. You can certainly, certainly, certainly maintain your weight um, or, even, or even lose weight over Shabbos because if you think about it, it's more rest. That's really a big one. It's a lot. It's more rest. It should be. I mean, I, I know if you have young kids at home like I do, and you don't have help on the weekends and all like that, it's not as restful. But it is an opportunity to like maybe just. I know it's been hot, but like take a walk, maybe like five to seven before Shabbos is over um, on Saturdays. And it is also an opportunity to like sit down and have meals compared to during the week where it might be a little more mindless in front of the television. Um, it might be an opportunity to sleep more. Uh, and it might be an opportunity to just feel a little more relaxed because your emails and your texts aren't coming in. And these are all things that can make weight loss and eating healthy easier. So rather than focus on why it's so hard and difficult, I always like to spin it on the positive and try to focus on the benefits that we can tap into and really take advantage of. Um, and so you can make that happen. So change your mindset on what Shabbos can look like and also realize that you can healthify the meals. So even if they're long, even if they're extended, even if you're staring at the food for a long time, which makes healthy eating and, and portion control difficult, um, you can still make sure that the dishes within it are, are on par. Um, okay, step four, cruising right along, water. We have to address water. I think there was like a little tea in here, uh, which is why it's tinted. But um, water, water first, veggies most is my slogan. You'll hear me say it a million times, water first, veggies most. Water is incredibly important. Uh, water helps you lose weight for a variety of reasons. I talk about it in my book. You can drop it. I'll show you what that looks like. Um, I talk about it in my book. You can drop it. And at the end, I'll leave questions. So if you want me to like go deeper into it, I am happy to. Water makes us full. Um, one of the reasons why water can help with weight loss, especially on Shabbos and Yom Tov, is... Uh, well, a couple things. First of all, it keeps your hands busy. So I have a line on my water bottle, on my To Be Mindset water bottle, my program, and you get this water bottle when you sign up. Um, two hand, keep two hands on the wheel. Two hands on the wheel. That means keep your two hands on the wheel of your water bottle. So now we don't have kiddishes the same way, uh, but you know, your family's sitting at the table, they're eating at desserts, they're picking at the candy, they're picking at the munchies platter, um, and then the whole situation, Keep your hands on your water bottle. We need more water than we need food. You can go three weeks without food. You can't go three days without water. We need so much water. And a lot of you are like, I don't feel like I need to drink water. That's because we always think it's hunger when usually we're more thirsty than we are hunger, but it, it kind of presents itself as hunger. So it's, it's confusing. I always say it's like if you have two kids, one who's really loud and the other one who probably needs more attention, but you always cater to the one who's like really loud and whiny because they get it. That's sometimes hunger compared to the child that might need the more attention, which is thirst. So we always want to think water first. Going into a Shabbos meal, drink a lot of water first. Studies consistently prove um, that those who drink 16 ounces of water first, 16 ounces, about half of uh, my To Be Mindset water bottle, have a, have a much better time eating not only healthier foods during the meal, but also eating less without realizing it. So I, again, am not one to talk about portion control. You'll never hear me advise portion control or ask anyone to count calories or ounces. That's not my deal. 
but um, when you drink water first, you actually just unconsciously get, you get fuller sooner, you stop sooner, and you are much better controlled when desserts come. Like you're just, the temptation is now reduced because you are fuller, because hunger is a hormone, gremlin uh, in the base of our stomach that screams, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, it's loud, it's annoying, but water's heavy. And uh, the hormone actually responds to weight. So when you drink lots of water, you really quiet down our hunger hormone. You give a nice sense of ease to your mind, to your body, and then you can eat more calmly, which is very different than what we know of going to a Shabbos meal when it's like way past your hunger point, especially in the summer when Shabbos starts later and people don't eat all afternoon and then go into Shabbos meal. And the first thing you eat is challah, which is a kind of difficult thing to stop eating especially when you're hungry and it was your first bite. Um, so step four will be drink lots of water, especially in the heat of the summer. Um, you know, uh, like if you want to take a splash of your grape juice from like the bottom thing and pour it into your water bottle to help flavor the water, that's fine. There's some all natural water enhancers. Um, you can brew iced tea, but just make sure that you're drinking lots of liquids all day, every day, specifically water first prior to eating meals. So I think we started with veggies most, uh, we went into like, don't be scared of the scale. If you're trying, if you're trying to lose weight, we like the scale when we're losing weight, remember, and it's usually that we hate it when we're gaining weight. So try not to uh, avoid it because the longer you avoid it, usually the higher it goes. Um, and there's a lot more on bringing down the scale and the relationship with the scale and how to use it within my book and program. If you want more on that specifically for weight loss, um, three is change your mindset about Shabbos and Yom Tov. It doesn't have to be like a gorge fest. It can feel um, like healthy and like a wellness weekend that's restorative with more sleep and a little bit more calmliness, if that's a word. Find ways to maybe use um, dishes that require less cleaning that you could throw in the dishwasher rather than hand wash. Like make things easy for you so you don't feel like you're you know, like, like the angst is happening all Shabbos because that could be the reason why a lot of us also eat more over Shabbos is because we take on too much when it really is supposed to be the day of rest. So something to think about when we get a book that's calming, that's relaxing and try to tap into that as much as possible. Um, fourth is drink lots of water, water first prior to meals, water first all day, more water, more weight loss. I can't wait to hear you guys speak. I'm tired of hearing myself. Um, and I'd say the fifth one uh, the fifth step towards better health and energy for you and your family. Oh God, how am I going to pare it down to the fifth one? I, I'd say we need to make changes. We definitely need to make some changes and change is hard and change is scary. Um, but I really believe change is embedded in fear. We're more motivated to avoid pain than seek pleasure. A lot of, you know, your family does not need potato kugel every Shabbos. You probably already know challah is enough of a carb, there's dessert on the table. Um, you have some sort of quinoa or sweet potato thing you're making. You probably also don't need this like one starchy dish you keep making. You probably don't need um, two different kinds of desserts. You probably could swap those cookies for strawberries, the candies for grapes. You know, we know we can make these changes. Uh, I think what people think is, but how will my kids have a good Shabbos if we don't start Shabbos morning with these super sugary cereals? And if they don't get lollipops after they say their Dvar Torah and all these things, I'm sure there's some I'm saying right now, you're like, I'm never giving that up. She's crazy. She's out of her mind. But 
you have to find the windows where you can. Kishka and Achant, how necessary is that? Um, you know, we have to think about ways where we can make some changes that that you might think your family will really notice a difference of, and they actually really might not. And when we start to double the vegetables in the soup, right? Like right now, it's probably like a carrot and a celery and maybe a parsnip. Double down, more zucchini, more turnip, more celery, more cauliflower my clients throw in now. Like just, just really make it this super, super, super vegetable thing. Um, and maybe the matzo balls, if you're still making matzo balls, make smaller. Or maybe save them for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Tov. Um, when it comes to challah, one thing I'm seeing that's really interesting for quarantine purposes, like Shabbos party at school, we're talking about little rolls now and middle, little individual cupcakes rather than big cakes. God bless my soul. I wish we did this forever. Way smarter. Um, whole wheat rolls rather than the challah that everything is on top of. Going into Rosh Hashanah. Our challahs get a little get a little wonky. Um, we start to do raisins. We start to do cake crumble. We start to weave in all these chocolate chips. Now, a lot of you are like, "Whatever, it's Rosh Hashanah. It's totally fine." Here's one science uh, fact that makes uh, my Orthodox Jewish clients, which has always been like a, a great majority of my clients, even to this day, when I have over two hundred thousand clients, I still privately one on one. I still work with so many Orthodox Jews. Um, one thing that always trips us up is this one study that I feel like isn't on our favor so much, which is your first bite dictates what you go back more for. So um, studies show if a person's first bite is a veggie, is a vegetable, like you start a meal with Israeli salad, for instance, and you make your whole Shabbos table like Israeli salad, the spiced carrots, the cabbage salad, do it Israeli style when we know that Israelis actually have some of the greatest health records ever in terms of longevity, um, longevity, obesity, they are far superior to what we have here in America. Um, so when you start your bite, first bite with a veggie, you tend to go back for more vegetables. When you start your first bite with a protein, we tend to go back for more protein. The difference is that when you start your bite, your first bite, the first bite of a meal with a carb like challah, which we do so often, you will go back for more carbs. And the difference is not only will you go back for more carbs, you'll actually eat more overall. And this is really tricky because this is what we do. Um, and this is why we do eat so much more at a Shabbos meal. That's one reason. Another reason is studies show that every extra person at your table leads to about 10% more you're going to eat at the meal. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons why we eat more on Shabbos, right? Uh, which is fine. Again, if you're drinking water first and making veggies most, you can still lose a lot of weight and have these long, extended, wonderful meals. But that first bite challah is tricky. And the higher sugar it is, and the more of it you eat, the more of it you're going to want. And you you think about it like you're going to maybe take a couple, like two or three green beans, but a lot of all the other dishes. And when it comes to dessert, you're going to eat more. So if you think about this, if you don't believe me, um, if you think about like a restaurant, Restaurants usually start with a bread basket, right? We all know restaurants that start the meal with the bread basket. If you think about it, it's an oxymoron. Why would they give us something to fill up on prior to wanting us to pay for food? Like, why are they giving us something for free to fill us up if they want us to pay money to get their food? The reason is because they know that the bread at the start of the menu actually opens 
up your appetite. It doesn't cut your appetite, it opens your appetite. If they give you some free bread at the beginning of the meal, you're more likely to order more carbs like pasta, which is a much bigger markup for them in terms of profits, and you're gonna eat more overall. Extra appetizer, extra cocktail, extra dessert, higher bill, higher profits. So that's what makes challah tricky at the start of a meal. Of course, we still do it, um, but there are a lot of ways that you can make it easier for you. Maybe now that Shabbos dinner starts so late, maybe around four o'clock, you cut yourself up some celery and carrots for the whole family. Put it on the kitchen counter far away to keep everyone away from the stove because no one, no Jewish mom wants people like in the kitchen before Shabbos in their space, right? But like put it out with some guacamole or hummus or a good baba ganoush dip and everyone kind of start having that so you can have challah and not turn it into a challah course where it's this, it's this whole thing. Um, so that's one way you can do it. Even just taking some soup, like some chicken soup prior to the meal at like around 4.30 has helped my clients a lot to like not go into shops meal so, so, so hungry. Um, and so that can definitely be helpful. And now I just want to take questions and I want to hear from you, but I guess those are the five tips is like, be okay making some adjustments, some changes because Shabbos and Yom Tov can be so beautiful. And in fact, even more beautiful when you feel healthy and energetic and well and confident, it makes you want to see more people. It makes you want to be in a better mood. It makes you want to, you know, run into his grandchildren and all of these things. Okay. So the chat's open and uh, I hope that was okay. And um, I'd love if people are coming on to ask questions, I'd love if you can actually ask it rather than me read it, because that's the whole benefit of Zoom. Okay, just some, yeah, Ariella, does, do you want to mute? Does anyone want to? Yeah, so, um, so I have a question from Talia. Talia, do you want to share your screen? Uh, come on. All right, Lisa, mute. And again, thank you all so much for being here. Like, I, I, I'm so happy to connect with, with the Beth Jacob Kila. I'm in Hancock Park now, but we were members of Beth Jacob for a very long time. Hi, Talia. She's muted. Talia, can you unmute? The, the, oh, I think, Ariel, you have to do it. Oh, okay. Got it. Hold on. Hi, I have a question, actually. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Um, so in my family, um, I gained weight, um, but my son lost weight. So I'm sure that it has happened uh, when you know some people who, uh, because of you know COVID, whatever, they've actually lost weight. They've kind of lost their appetite. Um, and if you could give some um, some feedback there. And also, I'm sure that you know about ARFID, where is the person is a very picky eater. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's very, uh, it definitely creates uh, a difficulty in a household when there's someone who has to lose weight and someone who has to gain weight. Uh, I deal with that all the time in my private practice. There's even siblings. There's a sibling who has to gain weight and a sibling who has to lose weight. And it's super difficult for the, usually the one who has to lose weight. Um, and then the mom who has to buy the fattening cookies and then the cauliflower rice and, 
and balance it all. So it's definitely not an easy thing. Um, loss of appetite is definitely a sign. You know, I'm not, I'm not diagnosing anyone, but like loss of appetite is one of those things that sometimes you see with people who are depressed or down um, or somewhat, which is completely and totally um, common right now in 2020, especially for a kid who's had summer plans canceled, isn't in person with their friends at school. I mean, this is really not an easy time. Uh, so I would definitely, uh, in terms of loss of appetite and weight loss, that's something I would refer out uh, mostly to uh, a therapist who would work on it and then uh, probably uh, then work with a dietitian. But the, the loss of, once that loss of appetite is recovered, it's very likely the ease of gaining weight will come back. So um, I could like make a, suggestions on foods that are helpful for weight gain, but um, without an appetite, it's still, it's still stinky. But that person still definitely needs to be eating because eating throughout the day uh, can definitely help improve mental health, um, which has been proven. So vegetables have been proven to help with mental health, just, just eating. Uh, the lack of eating when we go too long without eating, that just makes us tired and moody and hangry, which on top of a lack of appetite and upset just makes everything worse. Uh, so smoothies are really good to make him. Like that's pretty easy to like suck down for someone who um, doesn't have an appetite and so forth. And it's also hydrating in the summer, which is important. Um, and then as of your question, I think, uh, I don't know what your specific question is. Sorry, I started focusing on your son who um, has a lack of appetite, but you can still do it uh, and lose weight while in a house with someone who has to gain weight. It just takes uh, maybe keeping, if you're getting him like some fun snacks or higher fat foods, sometimes it helps to keep that like in a closed bin in his room or somewhere that isn't as like in your face and tempting for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Of course. Um, so Talia's mic isn't working. So do you want oh, to? Yeah, it is. Hi. Okay. Hi. Yeah. Um, I read your book. Oh, you got me into it. It's very, very weird and surreal seeing you. <laughs> um, so my question is, um, I go to my boyfriend's house a lot for Shabbat, and their family's Persian, and they don't really have a lot of veggies. They do a lot of rice and a lot of carbs. So what do you do when you go to someone's house for a Shabbat meal or just any meal and they don't really have those options for you? It's a great question. Great question. I have worked with lots of, I'd say like Persian, Indian, um, you know, families are so tied to their rice, Mexican. Cauliflower rice really is a game changer. Um, for anyone who doesn't know cauliflower rice, it, it really is a game changer. Does it taste exactly like rice when it's on its own or get crispy like tadig? Not necessarily. But when you're putting it under a bed of gourmet zabzi or meatballs, it's or brisket with a delicious sauce, it's like life-changing. You really, really, really under delicious sauce with an amazing protein or something on top of it, you really can't tell the difference. Only in your waistline. You, you get just as full. And it's amazing that it's like one of these things where you make cauliflower rice for Shabbos and you can really have a weight loss Shabbos. Um, the trick to making it, if you want to make it and bring it to your boyfriend's family, which might be a good idea. I don't know how, how close you are with the family at this point or um, 
or how welcome they are to bringing outside food, but it would be very simple to bring literally like a uh, cook to serve type dish, like a corning or whatever, <laughs> or a Pyrex and bring it of the ready cauliflower rice and then just ask them to heat it up and then keep it on the table because it doesn't really look very different. If you start like roasting carrots and zucchini and asparagus and peppers, you know, they might be like, oh, this is not my tablescape. But the cauliflower rice next to the white rice really is like a nice smooth uh, transition for someone who isn't welcome to veggies. My favorite way to make it is Trader Joe's sells the frozen bags of cauliflower rice that have a, hash, a hashkacha. The reason why it has a hashkacha, just so you know, is they cut the stems. So they don't use the tops of the florets that always have issues. They use the bottom, which are the stems, and they chop them up into little rice-like pieces. So that's still white. It's a stalk of the cauliflower chopped up into rice-like pieces, and they're frozen. It's $1.99 a bag. I keep like 20 in my back freezer at all times. Um, they're awesome. The what My favorite thing to do with it is take to make it not watery, sometimes people complain that it gets watery. The way to make it not watery is to take two of the frozen bags, three of the frozen bags, four of the frozen bags. I personally literally can eat two at a time, no problem. I make two at a time because maybe if my husband gets a spoon or two or whatever, but like two at a time is is standard for me. I Like I said, I like to eat a lot. Uh, so I take two of the frozen ones, put it on a baking sheet, game changer. Like with everything else you're baking and doing, like roasting, whatever. 350, 375, 400, whatever you're doing, 325, just put the frozen cauliflower rice on a baking sheet, spread it out, put it in there. And on a baking sheet, it really gets like dry and rice-like and fluffy at the end. And then I would just literally put saran wrap over it, put it in a cook to serve dish and bring it with you to his house. Um, I would do that. I would also um, like no get persian cucumbers you know like our mini cucumbers we love you can get a sack at livonia like pennies or all the markets glotmart all of them and um so, uh, we have the best prices on persian cucumbers our kosher markets and i would just get those i bring them with you just so you can like snack on them shabbos afternoon or like going into shabbos dinner like you get situated in your room you unpack you have a few cucumbers then you go to the meal you'll feel like much more controlled space and you always can offer can I bring a salad? Or or what I like to do is just say, I'm bringing a salad. I have a brand new recipe. And then they're like, no, 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 don't bring a salad. You bring it and it goes. Everyone always eats it. When it comes to vegetables, people want to eat them. They just don't necessarily want to prepare them themselves. But you bring it, it's delicious, and everyone gobbles it down. So again, like go into our kosher cookbooks have some great salad recipes. But again, have the oil, have the sugar ingredient have the salt to start, and then you could always add more. But any sort of like vinegar, mustard, stevia, or a little sugar, um, little olive oil goes a long way on top of spinach, butter, lettuce. Um, you could add sliced strawberries. You can you can do onion, tomato, cucumber. Israeli salad is always delicious. So I would start to get them familiar with more vegetables. And then you could say for the, at least for yourself. And then ver gradually, they will probably start to have them too. I hope. Thank you. I hope that helps. <laughs> Thank you, everyone who's on. Okay, what Michelle other question? Had a question? Michelle was raising her hand. Um, there we go. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, my question is, you said something about for every extra person at your table, you'll eat more. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, really interesting stuff. So in my book, I can show you, in my book, um, you can drop it. I, so I've worked with like now 
So I guess I never even finished my bio. <laughs> I did it on my personal weight loss story-ish. And then, well, essentially, like I was very overweight, changed my mindset, wanted to lose weight on my own, wanted to help other people do it. In the process, um, I was like, okay, well, I, I want the utmost expertise if I'm going to recommend how to eat to other people. So I became a registered dietitian. I got my master's degree in nutrition. I started teaching at UCLA leading weight loss seminars. Um, and I taught to a hundred different UCLA employees every semester it turned out to be 10 semesters while building up my private practice within our community and beyond. Um, and I turned it into a program called the to be mindset that there's now over, there's actually 300,000 people who now have access to my program, which is crazy. Um, and turns it also into my book. You can drop it. And what's interesting is after working with like really thousands of private clients now, Jewish and like totally not Jewish. And then even within the Jewish community, I mean, the spectrum of like a client preparing ham and, and bread rolls for their Passover Seder to, to, you know, clients who won't even eat vegetables because they're not like 100% washed on Pesach and everything in between. So meanwhile, working with everyone, I, I've always, I've really realized there's three pillars to weight loss. Um, and I talk about it in my book, the three pillars of weight loss. One is nutritional. If you're hungry and you know, your kids have pizza on the counter or there's chips on the counter, you're going to eat them um, because you didn't have the right things there. You weren't full. When you're full, when you had, you know, a huge salad with some salmon on it and feta and vinaigrette, you have much better self-control because there's a nutrition piece to weight loss. There's the, obviously a nutrition piece to weight loss. You don't have to count calories or measure stuff like that, but you definitely need to know what and how to eat. Then there's an emotional component to eating, as we all know, which definitely weaves into why we eat more at meals. You're comfortable, your guard's down, you're having a good conversation, or politics are happening. You're talking about the schools opening. You're talking about COVID. The anxiousness is happening, um, which is another reason why more people at your meal can increase the eating is the emotions are usually more stirred up than you just sitting alone on your couch or making yourself a lunch on a Tuesday, right? So that, there's that moment. But then there's environment. Environment is the third pillar of weight loss. And this has been studied and proven over and over again. Insight in stomach. Repeat, insight in stomach. You see it, you eat it. All day I hear people like try to blame themselves for lack of willpower. I don't know why I ate it. I'm so mad at myself for eating it. I didn't mean to eat it. You're going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. If there's just babka on my counter and I didn't have veggies to look at and lean proteins to look at, I would also eat it because environment plays a huge role in how we eat. And there's a lot of amazing studies um, by a professor, Brian Wansink, who's done I've summed up a, a couple like good highlight ones in my book, but he's done many, many, many books on the just the environmental piece of weight loss, and he has proven over and over again um, every extra person at a table can lead to about 10% more you're going to eat, and it caps off at around 10 people will be double the amount that you would have eaten. It's 100% more. It's like whatever more. You know that's true. Like you, we all know that during the week, if it's just us in the house, we could have like a few things and be done. And at a Shabbos meal, that's just appetizers. We haven't even got, we haven't even gotten to the main. So um, there's definitely that component. And and what's interesting about that study, I always thought as an Orthodox Jew, is that this study always caps it at ten. I mean, a meal of ten is not a big meal for a lot of us. I mean, now in quarantine, it's a huge meal. But you know, when we're talking a year ago meals of 18 when you're talking two families together both have kids three families together it does add up so um that definitely adds a component which is why two hands on the wheel is a helpful tip thank you
for sure, yeah. Um, there are questions. Nagel has a question. Do you want to unmute yourself? Okay. Hi, Ilana. Hi, Dr. Nagel. Fantastic. So I'm, because I'm a pediatrician, I have this problem. They want, they're hungry, they want a snack. What is veggies? Obviously, no brainer. I have used air pop popcorn or maybe a little oil because it's, it's a lot. You can, but you fill up very quickly or pickles. But do you have any other ideas or maybe you don't like those ideas? No, that's great. It's good to hear you on. Uh, yeah, we definitely have to keep our eye on our youth. The pediatric obesity crisis is going really fast. Um, and it, it's really amazing to me because when I, this sounds kind of strange, probably the way I'm going to word it, but like when I was obese as a pediatric, as a kid, it wasn't on trend. I was the standout in the class, like big standout in the class, no pun intended. Now we're seeing classes and grades where there are several, there's a handful um, of, of very overweight kids. So we definitely, as a, a whole community, even if it's not your kids or grandkids who have weight to lose, like we really need to keep an eye out on all of us because, and a lot of you are like, ah, oh, they'll grow out of it, they'll grow out of it. Studies are showing, and Dr. Nagel, you can probably confirm, studies are consistently showing that being an overweight kid really and severely increases your risk of being a very overweight adult. And being an overweight adult really increases our risk of highly preventable chronic diseases like stroke, cancers, heart disease, and so forth. So for anyone, I'm sure everyone on here does care, but for anyone who's like trying to be like, ah, let them be kids, like it, it's, gone, it's gone to points where we really do have to uh, keep our eye on some, some smarter snacks. So um, when it comes to snacks, first of all, the I'm hungry, the I'm hungry, the whining and complaining about being hungry that kids have all the time, it is annoying. Um, and that's okay for you to, as a parent or a grandparent, to be annoyed by it. And that is because you're probably not giving them filling snacks. So if you keep giving them like a lollipop or taffy or these things that have no protein or fiber, they will be hungry two seconds later. It's not gonna fulfill their hunger and they're gonna come up an hour later. So I like to tell moms and, and grandmas and all this stuff, not even to make your kid healthier, to make it less annoying for you. You wanna give them filling snacks that keep them full enough to hold them over between meals so they can patiently wait for the next meal and not feel like they need to overdo it on snacks because we don't need to overdo it on snacks. The whole point is just to hold us over between actual meals. So, um, so we definitely need filling snacks. Now, protein and fiber really help. So popcorn is a whole grain and it is high in volume. So if there's a kid who likes to eat high volume like me, um, popcorn is wonderful. You can have about three cups of popcorn for the same calories as a small handful of potato chips. So there are some kids who just want four chips and they can walk away and be happy. There are other kids who want to eat a lot like I do. And God bless them. We don't have to tell them like you don't have to, but we have to make sure that it's something that is airy, that is light, that is lean, that's packed with water, like pickles, which is totally fine, especially because kids aren't at high risk for high blood pressure or anything like that. And they're probably getting more salt in their bisley. Um, so those are good, good options. We can play with those a little bit more and evolve onto, on top of them. Uh, hearts of palm, awesome. Uh, if a kid sees the mom eat hearts of palm, they usually think that it's more of a thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys are on TikTok, probably not the right crowd. I have a million followers on TikTok um, because I love really helping teenagers. So I made it a big focus of mine. 
And I went like viral talking about um, hearts of palm, how it's like kind of like string cheese, but it really, it just tastes like salty and delicious, but it's like in a can and it's easy to just like take from the pantry, splash with balsamic vinegar and snack on, especially if it's one of those snacks where kind of like bored, you want something, but not too much. It, it does the trick. Um, other things are like Persian cucumbers, like I said, those mini cucumbers, slicing them up with everything but the bagel seasoning, delicious dips. We need to, you know, dips are fun. Kids like them, OTs, you know, occupational therapists will recommend them. They're sensory, it's fun. It's teachers like it because it's, it provokes independence um, and hand coordination and all of this. I mean, COVID sharing germs, I don't know, but like if it's in your house, getting a, a thing of hummus and then slicing up carrots, celery, cucumbers, red bell peppers. I've never met a kid who really didn't like red bell peppers. Unless that you're the mom and dad is picky and, and bread pickiness in the family and the kids like rolling with it, it's one thing. But red bell peppers are sweet. And if you want to get your kids to actually eat these foods, which right now you're shaking your head and being like, it's not going to happen, it really does come down to modeling. The more the parent eats it, the more the grandparent eats it, the more the grandparent eats it smiling, the more it's just always around and it has fun, playful dips, the more people will get involved um, and have it. Also, Salt is a nice secret weapon. Um, it is something that I know like some Israeli moms who have the kids who eat tons of vegetables do. And it's something I've like picked up. A pinch of salt goes a long way in eating veggies. Some people would be like, oh my God, but isn't salt so bad for you? A pinch of salt on, on cucumbers, like ev that everything but the bagel seasoning I was talking about, um, or on red bell peppers with it, or in a guacamole to have the tips, it goes a long way in getting the kids to think it's delicious and reminds them of their salty, dense snacks like Bisley, um, and even Oreo cookies, which actually are salty, if you didn't realize that, because it does, salt can create more like temptations to keep eating more and more of it. And we want that when it comes to vegetables, we don't necessarily need that when it comes to dense, high fat, high carb snacks. Um, so popcorn's really great. There's this one snack I love called K's, K-A-Y-S. It's really inexpensive. Um, it has some non-GMO uh, non organic soy in it, but it's a high protein puff snack that's kosher. And they have this cinnamon snack that tastes like cinnamon toast crunch. So uh, a lot of kids love that. It's called K-A-Y-S, uh, high protein cinnamon cereal. Comes in bags, kids love it. Um, puffed things are good. Puffed things are always better than pretzel type things that are dense. Um, I just did a video. There was two bags next to each other. One of these like puffed lentil chips, puffed, like, like there's a lot of air in them, puffed lentil chips compared to these like glutino pretzels, which say gluten-free makes you think that they're healthy, but really I have no fiber in them. You want to be looking at fiber and protein. You want those to have at least three in it um, when you're picking snacks, at least three grams of protein, at least three grams of fiber, ideally both, but one or the other um, at the very minimum. And so these pretzels or white pretzels, there is in the same size bags, what the pretzels had 13 servings a bag and the lentil chips had four, four versus 13, just out of density. Um, and it was a difference of like 1500 calories a bag versus like 400 calories a bag. So it's a good idea to look at that servings per container when you're buying snacks for yourself and for kids. And if you know you have an eater in the family, you want something like popcorn that says three cups versus something that says like, you know, two cookies. If you have an eater around, that's gonna be someone who's gonna come back for two cookies. And we all know cookies aren't necessarily a snack. We wanna call that a treat. We wanna be evolving the word snack to mean a purposeful 
thing that's keeping us full between meals, not something that's like stirring up this whole snacking culture. Um, so those are some good options. Lentil chips, um, lentil chips, the puffed case snacks, hard boiled eggs. Kids love hard boiled eggs and they love peeling them. And if you put them in your kid's lunchbox with the shell on, they don't smell. And kids really do eat hard boiled eggs. I'm like really thankful for this. Uh, that like kids do this. string cheeses are great because there's protein in them. Um, I, I love the fact I just started Hillel. Hillel is not a peanut free school. Peanut butter and sliced apples, delicious. Everyone loves sliced apples and peanut butter. No one doesn't like sliced apples and peanut butter. How could you not like such a thing? There's fiber, there's water in the apple, there's some protein and some healthy fats in the peanut butter. It's fun, it has that dipping culture um, and, it, and it works. Ants on a log, peanut butter and celery with some raisins, all good. And it's good for adults too. You know, sometimes we skimp out on making ourselves sliced apples and peanut butter, but we like do it for our kids and we just like go for random chips and crackers in the pantry. Take the time for yourself especially now where like self-care need is up and time is actually increased um, and make yourself these settled things. And I hope that was helpful, Dr. Nagel. Um, Ariella had a question. You want to unmute yourself? Hi. So um, I actually read your book. I thought it was really Yay. interesting. I was learning so much and I, it totally changed my mindset because I was eating a lot of crap and I don't, I personally don't have like a weight issue, but I noticed that I was eating a lot of unhealthy nutrients. I wasn't getting the stuff to fill my body or to keep me going. So I decided to take it on and take on water first and veggies most. And <laughs> um, my question is, I've been doing it for about three months now since June 1st. And I know I haven't really noticed so much of an energy change or like a mindset kind of revitalization, which is kind of what I was looking for. Like I'm eating all the veggies and I'm doing the water and I feel better about my food, but I'm not noticing so much energy intake or I'm not sleeping better, which I thought like that would be part of it. Right. I mean, I, I would say, thank you so much for reading the book. I'm so glad you're already like implementing the changes. I would say um, 2020 presents another difficult thing um, where it's, I don't know how to say this in the, in the most positive way, but I do find it's a little harder to be happy this year. You know, so you, we can't even see smiling pictures of kids at school because they're hidden behind masks and stuff like that. Um, there's like the fear of the virus and change and all these things. So, you know, that that is a strain. Um, and what can steal our energy is also like how much of the news you watch and how much social media you're following and, and, and what your job is and everything else like that. So like, you know, sometimes we have to like, not be um, like unaware of the situations around us and actually like kind of take a pause to realize like a, there's a lot going on right now that's just different. Um, and that can be impacting our sleep, our mood and our overall energy as a whole. Also just not going to multiple places a day, not having as many drives and errands, having more things delivered, not going, not seeing as many people in person can strain energy. We are designed as to be social beings. We should all really be in person right now, feeding off of each other's like energy, pheromones, and all that good stuff. So that definitely like staring at screens all day can, while this is amazing, it can actually it, it steal a lot from us. So I would say even maintaining your energy um, in the past three months, considering our times is probably like definitely being benefited by the healthy nutrients that you're putting in your body. So we don't want to uh, 
you know, take away from that. Uh, other things that can definitely help you sleep better and feel more energetic are exercise. Um, exercise is important, uh, especially as we get older. I just did a whole deep dive into menopause uh, for my mindset membership, my monthly ongoing membership for people doing my program. And, you know, menopause research was actually quite interesting because I've always worked with clients. They always tell me it's harder to lose weight in menopause. They always tell me they've gained weight because of menopause, um, like it was menopause's fault. Uh, and in the research, what I kept seeing, and actually in speaking with clients, because I've had many clients lose loads of weight through menopause and beyond and post-menopause, um, is it's actually a, a lack of activity paired with eating the same, if not more. Um, and, and so there, there is that if you're not active and moving, I, I always tell people you can lose lots of weight without exercising, but it makes you feel good. It's good for your energy. It's good. It, uh, proven uh, from the national sleep foundation, exercising at any point in the day can help you not only get to sleep quicker, but even deeper it, um, in intensity. So I would definitely try to weave that in. Uh, also things to help you sleep is seeing daylight making sure that you are outside in daylight hours, like and actually looking at the sun. So like the UV rays like can kind of uh, correct our uh, internal sleep cycle for even just a few minutes. Uh, even, you know, you can wear sunscreen and protect yourself that way, but just being exposed to light during the day, darkness at night, you know, trying to get, you know, you can get the UV goggles while staring at your phone. You could bring the darkness down and all those things. But moving your body, what's interesting, people usually think, I don't have the energy to work out. And it's actually, it's like an oxymoron because working out gives you more energy. Um, and it's, you know, we, we like to think I don't have the energy to work out, but even just uh, if you don't have energy and you're feeling complacent and tired, but you actually take a walk outside, it can actually bring you energy. And I do want to get us excited right now because I always like to get people excited at this time of the year because I, I can make this argument at any time, but now is a really good time to get healthy. Um, I always say that around this time, the fall is, is in our favor because right now we're in a total heat wave. What the heck is going on? I have no idea, but it is, it should start getting slightly cooler. And in the time where it gets slightly cooler before we change the clocks in October, it's one of those like ideal times to take those nightly walks. So even if you're exercising in the morning, like you're doing your Pilates or, or Peloton or walk around the block with your friend, you can still kind of fit in a 6 to 7 p.m. walk around the block um, if you so choose. Because we do have this elongated day. We do have this extra time. And if you're not spending that time being active, it does open up more hours to eat, snack, or even just, you know, participate in non-helpful activities like just mindless scrolling on social media or online shopping we don't have to do and so forth which we do plenty other times so we need to carve out this time but ariel i think when you get like more of like these lifestyle things in place you'll see like the utmost benefits strength training or yoga um walks around the block can definitely help and then for sleep if you're not sleeping nothing feels right so doing the darkness and lighting a candle at night taking a bath doing you know, all these like hippie things that seem like so whatever, embrace them. It doesn't hurt. You know, I have a, I have a candle here. I, I think I lit it one time, but it says positive energy. I don't even light it, but I just see pos the words positive energy behind my computer screen throughout the day. Like it doesn't hurt, you know? So I think bringing stuff like that in that makes you feel calm and relaxed might help 
and, and then working your body can sometimes help boost your energy. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, it looks like Rochelle Berger has a question. She's Hi, a Rochelle. Oh, you're muted. We want to hear you. The bottom corner on the bottom yeah. left. There you go. Hear me now? Okay. Yeah. Good question. What about um, jicama? What's the scoop on that? Is that okay or too much sugar? Great question. Great question. So within my book um, and program, I have four food groups. There are four food groups. Veggies, protein, carbs, um, and accessories. Accessories are like salad dressings, marinades, jelly, butter, jam, avocado, like things that are higher in sugar and fat that we don't need so much of, but like an accessory, it makes all of our meals taste delicious, right? So jicama uh, is interesting because is it a carb, like a starchier vegetable, like a sweet potato or um, a sweet potato or corn, or is it a veggie like tomatoes and cucumbers? And uh, I actually classified this list, which you can find in my book. I classified this list based on about 50 calories or less per cup. And jicama is a veggie, but it is on the line. Um, I've never met anyone gain weight eating jicama. Um, but what I have, so here's like the list of like all veggies that you just want to eat, like loads and loads and loads of. Um, jicama is on this list. If uh, someone is going from potato fries to jicama fries that they're making their own, they're going to be just fine. Um, but if you're eating lots and lots and lots of jicama and you're plateaued and you think that that might be it and not, you know, the like random chocolate chips you stole from the pantry, then you can always um, trade out jicama for I love kohlrabi and turnips, um, which are also white and also great like roasted. I make tons of turnip fries um, roasted in the oven. Turnips are amazing. I know we only put it in our soups typically, but if you chop up turnips into sticks and roast them, it's delicious. Um, but if you're eating jicama raw, it'd be really hard to overeat jicama. It's just it's like so watery. So like if you're not cooking up the water, you're going to be fine eating tons of jicama. Oh, hold on. You went on mute. What about hummus? Hummus is a great question. So hummus is, um, hummus is awesome, but it depends on what your parent hummus with, right? So like Israelis eat tons of hummus, um, they're not eating it with tortilla chips typically. Um, you know, Israelis, they make this big salad with maybe like a little chicken or fish or something. And then they usually do like a big scoop of, of hummus with lots of lemon juice as almost like the dressing. Um, and that's how they eat it. So they're usually pairing hummus with veggies. If you paired hummus with veggies, we're all good. Like cherry tomatoes, like Persian, Persian cucumbers with hummus. Persian cucumbers, all okay. good, all good, all the time. Okay. So we just, you know, there's, there's this new wave within the Jewish community, and this goes on both coasts because I have tons of clients in like Lawrence and Teaneck and Florida and all this. We got really into dips as a culture. And a lot of these dips, because you end up reading the recipes in the kosher cookbooks, are they're literally just mayonnaise. It, it's mayonnaise and like a drop of this, mayonnaise and a drop of that, mayonnaise and a drop of this and that. Um, these mayonnaise dips, if you, again, are eating them with celery and, you know, radishes and green beans and all these things, it's still probably fine. I call it an accessory. Anything to get you eating a lot more veggies is usually not a problem. If you're dipping or dunking 
challah into these, we start to have an issue, especially because this is the start of our meal before we get into everything else. So um, it's a lot of this is, is how we pair our things and, and how we're eating our food. The great questions. She's muted, hold on, you're muted. I just said, thank you so much. I have to go now, but thank you so much. Bye, loves. <laughs> Bye, darling. Um, okay. Laura, um, Laura, can you Hello. Hi, Laura. Um, so I work at a Pizza World, the restaurant here. I love Pizza World is like my favorite kosher <laughs> pizza store. Just so you know, they have the best whole wheat pizza. I I love the whole wheat pizza. It's good. Um, I do a lot of environmental eating, I guess, or maybe it's sensory eating. I don't know. It's like when I'm busy and I'm like, okay, I'm hungry and I don't have time to eat something. The first thing I do is I grab a slice, I throw it in the oven, and then boom, I'm eating that and literally shoving it down my throat before I have to run and do something else. Um, yeah. I like preparing meals is a big thing ahead of time. But in that kind of situation, what should I, what should I do instead of grabbing a slice? Totally. Um, working in a pizza shop, it's definitely going to feel casual to just grab a slice. When one is trying to lose weight, it can never be casual to grab a slice. It's like, you know, I, I always say like, you can eat pizza while losing weight when it's been like, you know, it's like, it's like a thing. Like you ate really well all day. Like it's not that you can't not eat differently, but like it's balanced. Like I've had holy, um, that the holy vegetable pizza is the best. So that's only when I, I eat from usually a pizza store that I didn't make myself. I love that whole wheat pizza world vegetable slice. I have that, but like, I also get that salad. And then like, you know, you like dump like all the cheese in the world on top. Like I usually skim that to the side. And sometimes I even get two salads. Cause again, I'm a volume eater. So one salad, I'm going to go for two slices, two salads. I'm okay with one. Um, and then you guys also have like some tuna, which is like really mayonnaise, but I kind of treat it like it's the dressing. Um, so I put it on, so I get like tuna and then like two salads and have that. And then it's like, okay, that, you know, like for me, like I'm okay to have one slice and I don't need more, but the one slice feels slower. It feels calmer. Um, because it's within my book, I have this like whole concept of the more sure model, like if you start with a carb, you're always going to want more carbs. So grabbing a slice, like you have it once, you think it's nothing. Um, you're treating this like 300 calorie slice of pizza, like it's a snack. And then especially when you eat it quickly, you're probably going to end up having more of something similar to it later on in the day. But if you start with lots of water first, like you guys have cold, nice, refreshing water bottles, just like down one out and then have two salads, then it's like you have one slice. And it, even if you have that slice, and it feels casual, it's gonna be slower. It's just not gonna be a scarf down situation. Um, and the need to scarf down and have really quick, eat it really quickly, usually comes from this thought of like, oh my God, I'm starving, I haven't eaten, which creates a lot of rushed eating. And that usually gets solved with drinking water first. Um, so I would just, at the very least, just start with like a quick bottle of water. And then I would try to have those salads and potentially the tuna too. Um, and, and like the whole wheat. And then if you work at a pizza store, it's helpful to think like, all right, I'm eating three slices of pizza this week. 
like three. Because if you think of like an actual number and not and don't creep into this like unlimited situation, you what ends up happening is first of all, three slices of pizza is plenty of pizza to eat in a week. It's not like this is like a restrictive situation. You can make it four if you'd like. Um, but then you actually end up be enjoying each one even more. Um, which is interesting because you're like, mm, this is really good. The second slice is really good versus, you know, you really can't tell the difference between a third slice and the 17th. It's like, it's all kind of like a just fog. Kind of makes you a little more mindful. All right, Ariella, do we have like a last question here? Me too. I just want to say shout out to Laura though, because even though she works in a restaurant, she, I read your book, she's my roommate and my roommates have taken on the mindset Yay. Um, I lost 17 pounds since June. Laura's lost. Oh my gosh! Like we're obsessed with the mindset. We're really yes. trying to put everyone on it, and I hope everyone so far is enjoying. Oh my god, um, I love you guys. That's amazing. We we need it. We need it. We all need it. We all need it. Um, and it's so helpful. I have to. I did a, a call today with like over a hundred people as part of my membership. I just have to say it's like global, like we're accessible in France and Canada, um, all over the States. And the one woman came on, I had to hold back from crying in front of so many people. This woman lives in Northern California. Her sister's house completely burned down in these fires. Her sister, her kids and dog and husband have all moved into her house. She has three kids under three living in her house with schools closed. Um, and COVID and all this stuff, she was crying that she's still taking care of herself and losing weight with this going on. And she's just like so thankful that she still like has it together um, and is better able to keep this whole family together, remind everyone to drink water, remind everyone to eat vegetables and not just eat junk all day to cope um, with their current situation. And it really, it really is great. And I'd say like to sum up the like why it's called to be mindset, because honestly mindset was not a word I used prior to four years ago when developing this program. I'd say like the biggest difference people have when they're doing my my program, like once reading my book and, and taking on the philosophy is going from like, I can't eat that to I just don't want to. That's like a really pleasant place to be. Like, cause I don't believe in ever telling you like not to eat pizza, um, especially if you work in a pizza store, but getting to the point where you're just filling up on smarter things. So these things are less difficult for you to battle and tackle with temptations. And I think that's really important for everyone to kind of take on at the least. I do have one question. The person asked, she can't come on just cause whatever. Um, but people ask the same question. So she asked, does hormonal imbalances cause weight gain? If so, while having a healthy lifestyle, is it harder to lose weight? Um, it's a great question. And it goes both ways. Hormonal imbalances can cause weight gain, but weight gain can also cause hormonal imbalances. Um, I don't know if that's helpful or not. I'm just saying several, several, several people have anecdotally told me and even through having hormonal imbalances, they've really applied, you know, my method and weight loss plan and have been able to not just lose weight, but actually help better correct their hormones um, as per their doctor and their doctor visits. Um, not that like you always, always need to go under your doctor supervision, no matter what. And if you have hormonal imbalances at the start, you have to talk to your doctor about potentially um, helping correct that um, in a way that they see fit. But you should know that 
when it comes to hormones, they will always, and thyroid, it will always be benefited from drinking water, eating vegetables, and exercising. So all the medication in the world is not going to outweigh taking a walk outside, getting in at least 2,500 steps a day, you know, like just things that, that contribute to your health and well-being um, overall and assist and promote. So anyone who's on other medications for your heart, for your mind, for anything, you will still highly be benefited from eating healthier um, and exercise and sleeping better and all of these things too. So it's not like one without the other. It's, they should really go together and you should always speak with your doctor about what they can do to help really test your hormones, make sure that there's something they can do. But even just tonight and tomorrow, you can already jumpstart trying to help get it on a healthier path. Lana? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, glad to meet you. Yay. <laughs> um, did your husband know who I was? I don't know if he knew who I was, but he had fought his, your father-in-law will know me. I'm sure. My, the Maltines are, are deep LA you, people. My, my brother was very, very close friends with your uncle, with your father's older brother. So that's how, you know, we know that. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Uh, it, uh, so um, anyway, uh, just quickly, can we get your book on Amazon? Yes, um, my book, You Can Drop It, is on Amazon, wherever books are sold. And I even recorded an audio book um, through quarantine, which was really an amazing experience. So if you are taking a walk, if you're driving, if you're in the car, I like to listen to audio books while cooking, which this will definitely inspire your cooking in a different way. Uh, cleaning around the house, organizing the audio book uh, might be great too. And definitely there's a physical book and the book comes with 40 uh, plus recipes and some are great Shabbos staples, I'd say. This tropical mango salad is amazing. It's great for sukkahs. That's the first time I made it. Um, and then I wrote the book right afterwards. Uh, and then there's also a four-week slim-down plan. So, like, you literally have the grocery lists and everything you need and all the recipes to follow it for four weeks, lose weight. You can do it. You can drop it. I just want to be eating healthier because I'm finding I'm eating too much junk food, too many sweets. and Absolutely. Many... Even if it's not, I mean, I, I get told all the time, like even for people who don't have weight to lose, it's just for, for just, it, people tend to say, I'm like a teacher uh, by nature. I just think from teaching at UCLA for so many years. So it's just a nice kind of like nutrition course to kind of understand how to read a label, how to see if, you know, a snack is worthwhile, healthy, healthy for weight loss, just a, you know, marketing scheme, like whatever it is, um, you can definitely learn a lot. And, at, and also there are some people who don't have weight to lose, but they don't have necessarily a healthy relationship with food. And they follow a lot of like internal myths or beliefs or restrictions around food that hopefully, um, you know, hearing or speaking or working with me can help you clean up a bit. Cause I think that's really important. I think we eat all the time. You have to have like a really positive and healthy relationship with food um, to help foster healthy and positive relationships in other aspects of your life. And it's just, it, that's why I think when people do my program and stuff, they do see benefits in other ways, um, which I'm excited for Ariella to report back on once, once other lifestyle factors kick into place. Cause it only helps eating, learning how to eat well, never hurts. It always, helps whatever is going on because that's really how our body was designed 
to eat. Like Hashem gave us our lands, like, you know, our, these fruits and vegetables and water to drink. Like these are basics, which is why I felt really confident trademarking water first, veggies most. I think this is like, these are pretty timeless principles that we can always rely on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you all. I hope to see you soon and, and hug you all in person and be able to do a lot more in-person Beth Jacob opportunities together. Ariella, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, not only for doing two months, but spreading the word. And organizing. Thank you so much. Love you all. Thank you so much. And be in touch, social media, um, and everything and so forth. I want to stay in touch with all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Have a wonderful Shabbos and Yom Tov. Bye. Happy New Year.